Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Well, good morning. Welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors. We're glad that you are with us, whether you're in the room or you're engaging online. We are in a series called The Way of Jesus. The Way of Jesus. We're working through Luke, chapter by chapter, as we put this lens through our brains that we're looking, going, okay, how do we learn about the way of life that Jesus offers? Not just doing things our way and adding Jesus on, but a reframing, a new way of living. And so this week is week number two, so we're in Luke chapter two. And in Luke two, we see the birth and arrival of Jesus. There are four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, it's split up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus splits the Bible and he splits history. And there's some unique things about Luke that we actually find in in this chapter, in chapter 2, that aren't in the other books. The other books, either they talk about Jesus as a baby and then fast forward to adulthood, or they skip baby and go straight to adulthood. But in Luke 2, we actually see a little bit of the in-between time. A little bit of the time between Jesus as a baby and Jesus as a fully grown man. And there's a verse here that as I was reading, it struck me. And I think that oftentimes we can read things, especially if we're familiar, and we can miss out on what the passage says and miss out on certain verses that you go, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. And so I want us to explore one verse today, and it's Luke 2 Verse 52, it says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Before we dig in, let's pray. God, I pray that in these moments that you would be the one that speaks. God, we come to you and know that we need you. God, we don't need more people telling us more things. We need divine inspiration and transformation. And so, Even as I stand up here, God, use me. Use us to to show people who you are. Help us to see your son, Jesus. Even as we look at this one line in this chapter, would it illuminate things that you're trying to say to us, that you're trying to get our attention for? If there's things in our minds that are distracting us, God, I, I pray that you would still those things and your still small voice would just be a little bit louder and clearer to us. God, I need you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, for those of us who want to follow Jesus, those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, we are invited to be apprentices to him. I used that language last week, and you'll hear it a lot more, that we are invited not just to be Christians, but to become apprentices of our master who is Jesus, 
to look at him and learn from him and grow to become more like him, do what he did. We're called to be apprentices. Maybe if you've spent much time in the church, you've heard the word discipleship. But there's some people increasingly that are saying a more, a more helpful way for us to understand discipleship is the lens of apprenticeship. Because an apprentice doesn't just learn more, they also are doing it. They're changing how they live. And as apprentices to Jesus, we are adopting a new way of life. We're adopting Jesus' way of life. The commitment to apprentice under Jesus is the choice to embrace a posture of daily growth. The commitment to apprentice under Jesus is the choice to embrace a posture of daily growth. In this passage, we see 12-year-old Jesus. And it can be easy for us to look at someone who's 12 and go like, what could I learn from a 12-year-old? Until you spend time with a 12-year-old that is following Jesus and you go, a lot. There are things that a 12-year-old is wrestling with and a 12-year-old is thinking through that you go, you know what, I think sometimes the lie is I've matured beyond that, but the truth is for some of us, we haven't. And here we find Jesus as a 12-year-old. So anytime you're like, I don't want to listen to a 12-year-old, will you listen to 12-year-old Jesus? 12-year-old Jesus is brilliant. We can learn so much from him. In fact, the, the verse that I read, 252, before that, we learn some things that are significant about Jesus. Jesus, in between being a baby and even a preteen, he's spending time in the temple, and he's around religious leaders. He's talking to them, and he's asking questions. And even in this, we begin to see the brilliance of Jesus. Because the temple leaders at this time are amazed by what Jesus understands. They're amazed by what he's asking, and they're amazed by his reflections. Even in this, we learn some things about Jesus. Like one of the key characteristics of Jesus, Jesus was brilliant at asking questions. Jesus was the greatest question asker in the history of humanity. If you disagree, you're wrong. But he's brilliant, because what would he do? He would ask these questions, he cared about the answer, but he would use questions to probe and diagnose and evaluate people. And suddenly people, as they were wrestling with answering the question he had asked, would expose themselves, and suddenly he could get to the heart issue. He was brilliant. This was part of the genius of Jesus, his ability to ask great questions. And I think that as apprentices of Jesus, that should be part of our posture. We should be people that ask great questions. Sometimes we are afraid because we've been told, like, there's no stupid question. And then we ask a question and someone goes, that was a stupid question. So then we're like, I'm not going to ask any more questions. But I was thinking more about it even in terms of asking questions and this posture. And we have little kids. Ava is just six tomorrow and then Parker is almost four. And what are they doing? constantly asking questions. Now, I would love to tell you I'm the greatest dad who is almost always calm, and every time they ask questions, I just answer them, and I pontificate, and they sit them on my lap, and I look in their eyes, and I go, let me just tell you. No, there are times I look at Lee, I'm like, why do they keep asking questions? And then Lee, in her infinite wisdom, because like, they're trying to figure out life. And I'm like, oh yeah, right, I'm the one that's helping them. <laughs> like, Lee and I are helping them. Like, they're asking. Now, sometimes they ask questions, you're like, you 
you are not asking. You just don't want to eat your food or whatever. But Jesus talks about having childlike faith in another passage. And, and I think about that. I think about this posture of, of wanting to ask questions. And so even as we engage in scripture, how often are we asking questions? Even together, there's some questions that I've peppered through this. And my invitation is not to just go, oh, that's an interesting question. Huh. My invitation would be ask the questions. Like actually reflect, God, what are you inviting me to ask? Or what are you causing me to, to wonder or even, even second guess or push back on? What are the questions that are stirring in me and lean in that direction? It's important that we are reflective, that as we engage, even for those of us that have followed Jesus for a long time, that we engage with scripture, not as just an exercise that we do. We check it off and we did it, but to actually engage and wrestle and ask questions. So Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So I want us to actually unpack that. Jesus grew. So we find that little, and that is a, a nugget right there. Jesus grew. The Greek word for this, the original language word for this word grew, or grew is the word prokopto. Okay, so turn to your neighbor and say prokopto. Prokopto, I don't normally bust out the Greek, but this one was a gem. Sometimes I find it like people use it, like they pull out Greek or Hebrew and it can be really valuable and other times it's just because they did the class and they feel like they should use it every once in a while and you're like, ah, oh, in Greek it says, and you're like, I guess that's helpful. This, this I think is incredibly helpful. What does prokopto mean? Prokopto means to make one's way forward by chopping down obstacles. I don't know if you can tell if you're watching online or you're in the room. I got my axe necklace going because I was thinking about this, to, to grow, to make one's way forward by chopping down obstacles. Now think about this. In light of our apprenticeship to Jesus, this is a reminder that growing is not passive. It's not something that you're just going to go like, oh, yeah, I guess, I kind of, I kind of, I don't know, I grew in some ways. No, this is an active pursuit, but it's a reminder for us that we constantly need. It presumes that there will be obstacles to our growth, that as we set out to grow, that we say, I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow, and then we what? We face obstacles, and what's our response? What does Jesus do when he sees obstacles? He chops those bad boys down. Growth is an active pursuit. And as we grow, we will face obstacles. And as we face obstacles, we are invited to chop them down. And it raises a, a really helpful question for us. I want you to think in your own life, how do you respond to obstacles? Like when you want to grow and you face something that is a hindrance or a challenge or in your way, how do you respond? Do you, get out your, do you get out your axe and go, let's get to chopping, where you feel emboldened? Or do you have moments where you go, well, there's an obstacle, I'm just going to give up. Now, that's not to say that we all respond the same way every single time, but some of us have tendencies. And you go, man, when things get hard, it's really easy for me to stop. Or when things get hard, I feel like I just need to chop anything I can. 
But what do you do when obstacles are in your way? How do you respond? Do obstacles embolden you or do they derail you? The truth is there are some seasons that we are significantly more resilient than others. There are some seasons that we go, I don't care what's in my way, I need to go, and so we're chopping down everything and it's nothing. And there are other seasons that we struggle. It's really important that we pay careful attention to that. How am I doing in this season? Like, I don't know if you're familiar, but we're facing more provincial restrictions. Like, Lee and I were talking about it because as we shifted to one service temporarily, Lee's like, I'm just kind of sick of hearing about all of it. And I get that. Like, we have different responses right now. Some of us, we go, you know what? I don't care. Some of us go, I really care. Some of us feel all sorts of things. We need to pay careful attention to how we're actually doing. I think that this is one of the things that I noticed. I was reading an article that was talking about the, the risk of the risk at church is not hedonism, it's distraction. And what happens is we're feeling all these things and what do we do? We distract ourselves. I don't want to feel this. This is bad. I don't like feeling bad. I don't like wrestling with any of this. And so we avoid. Instead, we need to take careful account and reflect how am I actually doing? As I face whatever is going on around me, how am I doing? Because we want to be people that adopt a posture of growth. And if we recognize that Jesus is growing, but as he's growing, there are obstacles that he's chopping down, we should at some level go, I want that. But I need to pay attention to how I'm doing and responding to these obstacles. If you grow and if you want to grow, it is guaranteed you will face obstacles. It's guaranteed. It's an absolute. You will set out and go, I'm going to grow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to grow, and then you will face obstacles. But if you want to grow like Jesus is inviting us to grow, and he modeled growth to us, we need to be willing to face those obstacles and look for ways to chop them down. Like think about in your own life and growth, like maybe from a spiritual, I'll just go an easy spiritual one. Maybe you go, I, I really I recognize I need to actually daily read my Bible. Like, I don't, I don't know it, or, or I don't know it as well, or it's just been a while since I've read it. So maybe you go, I want to grow, and I want to read my Bible on a regular basis. I want to read it daily. Well, what happens inevitably? Obstacles. Because you're like, when? Because you've assumed and had your schedule where, where does that fit? I don't know. I, I, you know, it doesn't really fit in my schedule. Things are really busy. Obstacle. You go, it's, it's, I don't know what I'm doing, obstacle. And what's the invitation for us? It's with Jesus, it's to chop down those obstacles. So say the obstacle is, I just don't have time. Guess you got to get up early. <laughs> you go, are you looking for opportunities or are you just looking for those obstacles? And I don't know what that is for us. We all have things. I have things that I go, I want to grow in this. And then you face something and you go, well, that's hard. And what's really interesting is the, someone on the outside goes, it's not as hard as you're making it. And you're like, but, but I'm seeing, all I see is the obstacles. And the outside perspective goes, so chop down the obstacles. Jesus' invitation for us as apprentices is to embrace this posture of daily growth. Daily, as we grow, chop down the obstacles that are in our way. Many of us want to grow or at least we say we want to grow. 
And whatever that is, whether that's spiritually or emotionally, we have things that we go, I want to grow. As a human being, I want to grow. But I think we struggle with the implications of what that growth actually means. I think we like the idea, and then we struggle with what that actually will mean. If you think that growing and a posture of growth will not create issues, you unfortunately are sorely mistaken. If we want to grow, we will face obstacles. But remember, the commitment to apprentice under Jesus is the choice to embrace a posture of daily growth. So Jesus grew, but he didn't just grow, he also grew in wisdom. Now, it should cause us to ask the question, okay, so what does this mean? What is wisdom in this? So Jesus grew, and he also grew in wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge well applied. Knowledge that we've applied to our life well. That's significant for us. Because if you think about it, 2022, which I still have to get used to saying, it's only been, what, nine days? 2022, we have never had more access to information, ever. In, in all of human history, we have so much access to information, which is really interesting because we have all this access to information and our memory is shorter. Why? Because we go, I don't need to remember it. I can just look on Wikipedia and learn some more stuff and hop on a rabbit trail. We have, had, we have so much access to information, but what I do believe we are absolutely lacking is wisdom. We have knowledge, but the struggle has been, how do I apply that well to my life? Like, it's an interesting thing because we have access to content, but where we struggle as a culture is who do I have with me that can help model this? Like, how do I do this? What does this look like? I'll just hop on YouTube. Someone will tell me. And it's just, it's just causing some real challenges where we have access to information, but we don't know how to apply it. Okay, even just, let me just hop into each of our backyards that would call ourselves Christians. We know a lot if we've been around church for a while, but we don't often do a lot. So we know all about how to pray. We just don't apply it. I, I know the Lord's Prayer, and I know about different kinds of prayer. Do you do it? Well, no. I don't have a lot of time. I'm really busy. Obstacles. Or we go, I know about reading the Bible, or maybe if we grew up in Sunday school, I know all the stories. So are you doing any of it? No, we have knowledge, and yet the struggle is how do we apply it to our lives. It's not valuable for us to know more, and I do think that that's a, an idol culturally. If we just know more, then we'll be good, but the problem is that knowing more often does not lead to more action. It leads to more inaction, and so the invitation is how do we take what we know, knowledge, and invite wisdom where we take what we know and we actually apply it. And we can look at this and go, I want to I apply my knowledge. I want to become more wise. I just want to remind you that that's not a singular activity that you do in isolation where you just go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just resolve to be more wise. God actually invites us in James 1.5. James tells us, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. 
So if you're recognizing, okay, there's a disconnect for me. I have knowledge, but I'm struggling with wisdom. We can actually ask God, help me. I need wisdom. I need you to help me to take what I know and actually apply it well. I've been praying this prayer called the Apprentice Prayer since the beginning of 2022. So nine days every day, I start my day before I do anything else by praying this prayer, which in some ways goes against what I've been raised in, because I wasn't raised in mainline traditions where you have prayers that you repeat. I, I was, we had phrases that we would repeat, like anyone repeat, uh, God blesses food to our bodies? Like we always said that. I remember Lee going, what does that mean? Like that your food digests? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> yet I find myself saying it. But the struggle was uh, we didn't necessarily have uh, prayers that you'd pray consistently. Because and this is important, too. You also go, God doesn't just want your form prayer. He wants your heart. Like, he wants that. But we can go the other way and then forget that the Lord's prayer is a prayer that is there that we can actually engage with. And so I've been doing this apprentice prayer. And what's been really helpful for me is it's reframed my whole day because I start with it. And the whole big picture idea is, God, use everything, all of it today to shape me. Good, bad, otherwise, all of it. I just want you to do what you want to do. I give you permission. I trust you. And what I've noticed is it's completely reframed how I've navigated things. Now, there's no magic bullet, like silver magic uh, spell, magic prayer, or silver bullet that you go, if you just pray this prayer, then everything will be good. But what I notice is that by having this posture where I'm asking God every single day, God, I need your wisdom. I need you to help me take what I'm learning and apply it well when I do that, that God actually answers. And it's so interesting because I can know that intellectually and yet struggle with believing that and applying it in my own life. And so what would it look like for us to, to say, God, I want your wisdom. I don't want to just learn more. I want to figure out how to apply it to my life. But one of the things that I like about this prayer, this reminder, is that it's not a reminder that we grow because things are easy or comfortable. The prayer is not, God, remove all obstacles from my life and just make it really simple and smooth sailing. And No, it's going, God, I'm trusting that you're going to use all of it. Even when people offend me or mistreat me, I'm, you're going to use all of it to shape me into who you want me to be. The reminder for us is that where real growth happens and where knowledge becomes wisdom is often when it's difficult. It's when we learn some things in the fire, when we learn some things in the challenge that we go, oh man, I paid a price here that I'm going to benefit from, but man, it sucked. Like in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the challenge, that's where we really, really apply the knowledge that we have. I mean, I'll go back even with parenting. I could have all sorts of parenting ideas. I know how to parent perfectly. And then you have a kid. And then you're like, you know what? Some of these ideas that I had did not work. Right? And then you have a second kid. And you're like, who are you? You're different than the other one. Like, whatever I learned, I throw it out. For us as Christians, we're, we're testing certain things. There's things that we believe about God often that aren't true, that we live it out and go, Oh, I mean, even in the challenge, it's one of them because we have this belief in our head that if I follow Jesus, things will be easier, except it isn't. And so when you face challenges, you go, 
okay, so wait, the knowledge that I have wasn't well applied. What does it look like for me to take this and reframe it and give it to God to shape and use in me? Wisdom is developed as we navigate challenging things, as we walk through things and allow ourselves to actually learn from them. So Jesus grew in wisdom. And Jesus also grew in stature. So Jesus grew into adulthood. There was a physical element to this. Like part of it was that he grew. He went from being a child or a 12-year-old boy to being a full-grown Man, Jesus day by day moved and became more of a man physically. But this also speaks to some other things, some other development in us. Like, have you ever noticed that you can look like an adult and still act like a kid? Now, that can be like a light and airy thing, like, ha, ah, they're so childlike. Or it can be like, wow, how was that adult acting like a completely immature little like temper tantrum throwing four-year-old? And then I'm like looking at myself in the mirror going, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Like all of us, we struggle, but we also know people. And if you don't know people, maybe you're the people that, that you go, you look like an adult. You look like a fully grown person, but you act like a kid. You have the emotional coping strategies of a child. You are not... You have not grown in stature holistically. You've grown up, but you haven't actually matured. Like this is the part is you, you, you're around people that are older and it doesn't, just, it doesn't just guarantee that someone is going to mature by getting older. Some people are more bitter as they get older. And then other people you go, man, you are someone I want to be like. We don't just develop in a a vacuum and we don't just develop accidentally, hopefully. Well, over time, we just become that. Some of us get trapped. And and did you know that actually what happens and can happen is if we experience trauma at a younger age, we actually find ourselves trapped developmentally in that stage. So if we experience trauma at 12, if we do not address it, We can be 30 and still reacting out of a place of an injured and hurt 12-year-old. This can happen. All of us have things in our life, but you start to notice some patterns in people where you go, oh, it's because we never actually addressed this thing that traumatized us early, and so we carried it with us forever. This is why it's so important that we actually deal with stuff. Like we deal with our trauma, we deal with our wounding, we deal with the stuff, the the lies that we listen to or the things that harmed us and some of it is heavy and some of it is light. Like I had one, I've had some things, but I had one that was so small and yet it's carried into my life. My dad and I, my dad was a pastor and we were at a grocery store and he ran into some people he knew from the grocery store and at the end of it, they're like, we should get together. And he goes, yeah, we should get together. And then we left. And I said, I said, so when are we going to get together with them? And he's like, no, 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 you just say that. I was like, wait, what? And he's like, you just say, like, oh, you just, it's like a, and I'm like, so, and he's like, and this is, and this is the thing that stuck with me. And he, it was a line that I'm sure he didn't even think of. He just said, people don't really want to spend time with us. And I went, okay. And so at, 11 or 12 years old, that became something that I thought. And I went into places. Like, it was so interesting to me because 
Um, my stepdad is, uh, he's from a place called Exeter. And so every time we'd go to the grocery store, it would take like three and a half hours because he talked to everyone. But it confronted because I'd always, I'd always go into places and just assume if I saw someone, they didn't really want to talk to me. They didn't really care that I was there. And so what did that do? It, it began to tell a story in my life. Now, that's not even like a significant trauma, though many of us have those. It's just a small thing that if I did not address, if I am not paying careful attention to, what does it do? It bleeds into every other relationship I have. And that's not just romantic. Like I'm talking, this friendships, where you just have this thing that you believe. And so some of us are, we look like adults, but we have some things that we've never actually worked through and developed. We've never actually been able to, to wrestle through and go, how do I grow in this way? And for so many of us, it's why community can be a barrier. Because we struggle, because we go, if I'm actually in a community where people know me, they're going to see my stuff. And how are they going to respond? Are they going to reject me or are they going to lean in? How are they going to respond as I share things? If I'm honest with them, are they just going to treat me like that second grade teacher that said this about me? Like you have all these things that you wrestle with. And it's important that we actually do that in community. That if we want to grow, we need to be willing to actually work through our wounding and our baggage and our internal struggle or our internal narrative voice or whatever things that we have that we're just recognizing. Like, even right now, I'm willing to bet that some of you, God's going, you know exactly what that is. And what's the tendency, right? I'll deal with that at some other point. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Uh, it's hard. Like, I get it. It's tough. I don't want to deal with that. And what if the invitation, even right now, is God's going, hey, it's uh, it's time to work on that. It's time to work through that. Growth in us requires that we actually confront the areas that hold us back. See, there can be external obstacles that we need to chop down, but there can be internal obstacles that we need to chop down. And we avoid it because this kind of deep emotional work is not glamorous. Like, it's way better to go, 2022, I'm going to get jacked and look how good I'm going to look, right? Because people see and they're like, wow, you look really great. If you're doing deep emotional work and actually working through some of your wounding and some of the stuff that's held you back, people might not see it right away. It's not nearly as quick. It's one of those things that people would see over time, but it's a little bit more hidden. So we're like, you know what? I'll deal with some stuff that's easier, that's more external, because I want people to think I look good, not actually, I don't want to be healthy. I just want to look healthy. And so we avoid some of that, which is why like, I think about marriage and how much of a, at times, difficult gift that can be. Because when you're married to someone, you don't get to do that anymore. You don't get to go like, well, I can just hide my stuff. Because guess what? You can't. Like, Lee sees all my garbage and I see all of hers. And after 10 years, you begin to go, okay, we're going to work through some of this. We're going to see some Stuff, we're going to pursue growth together because we want each to grow. But it doesn't just happen just like aging and maturity. It doesn't happen accidentally. It's not like, well, if we're just married longer, then we'll be healthier people. Because we all know people that have married for a long time that have never actually done this, that are both just bitter and can't stand each other. And you go, for us, we want to, we want to, we, we care about each other. We want to help each other grow and be better and shape some things 
And Lee will, Lee will soften some of my rough edges. And, and there's areas that we do that with each other. If you're not married, this is why friendships are important. Like we need to have friends that are willing to see us for who we are and go, hey, there's some things here I think you need to work on, but you're not doing it on your own. It's not like you just have to figure it out and hopefully you sort it out. That real friendships, that abiding long-term friendships give space for that growth. And so it causes us to be, again, reflective. Do I have anyone in my life that actually knows me, sees me, all of me? Not the version of me I put on social media or the version that I, that I present. To, like, really, the stuff that I wrestle with, the internal dialogue, the, the stuff that I'm struggling with from a, from a spiritual perspective where you're going, I'm, I'm wrestling with this. Do you have people in your life that actually know you? There is such harm in loneliness. There is an epidemic, sure, you can see COVID, but one of the epidemics that, that is universal is the epidemic of loneliness. Do you know that in, in London, over 100,000 people live by themselves? Over 100,000 people, so over a quarter of the population lives by themselves. Do you think that's good for us? It isn't showing to be good for us. Because it used to be that we were in communities and tribes and, and in small towns or in pockets where we would know each other, but now what do we do? We get in our car, we drive into our garage, we close our garage, and we sit inside by ourselves. There's so much research that talks about the harm of loneliness and the amount, the sheer amount of people that don't even have one close friend. Or maybe they have one friend, but... There's like some barriers there. It's, it's so significant for us. This, this loneliness can be such a massive thing. You can be around people and yet not be known. Not really. And especially in a culture that values how you look and, and goes, you need to present this thing. And if you present it well, then we like you. And if you don't, then we don't like you. It creates this extra barrier. This is why for us, we do something called co-groups, which is just our way of taking larger and making it smaller, where you're in a, a group and you're around people, eight to 10 people, where you can actually be known. We're launching co-groups January 24th, and I was saying to the team, here's our gamble, and it's like such a gamble. We're aiming to launch them for after the restrictions. We'll see. Why? Because we recognize some people... Some people go, I just want to be online indefinitely, and we get it, and we want to create space for them. And some people are like, I just need to talk to someone face-to-face. -face. We go, we want that too. We want there to be room wherever you're at to actually connect with each other. So our plan is launching them January 24th with a whole lot open-handed of going, we'll see. And so you can, keep, you can keep track of what is happening, and I'll make sure to tell it. But here's the thing that I notice about co-groups. You will only get out of it what you want. You can float through. We're, I think we're at 10 weeks this time, right? You can throw, float through 10 weeks and get nothing out of it and go, I didn't connect with people. I didn't really like it. Or it can be 10 weeks of transformation. If you go in going, probably people won't talk to me anyway. I don't really want people to know me. I don't really want to let then you will get that. 
If you go in going, I'm going to risk some things, and I'm going to be honest, and as a community, we're going to create a culture where we actually share how we're really doing, and then we're going to work through that, even though it's messy and difficult and challenging and risky. If you do that, it can be transformative. If you can get around a bunch of people and go, man, this sucks, and they go, yeah, this does suck, so what does it look like to grow in this? I don't know. Me neither. Well, let's do it together. Sounds good. Like, there, this is so significant, and I've seen people that go, yeah, I, don't, I didn't really connect. You will rise to the level of your expectation in co-groups if you want to connect. I mean really connect, because I've heard people that say that, like, I didn't really connect. How often do you go? I don't know, about quarter of the time. And you're like, yeah, so how many friendships do you have where if you just met occasionally, do you build a deep friendship? It doesn't happen like that. There's a consistency. If you show up every single time, and it's like, okay, you didn't really connect. How often were you prepared with like things you're wrestling with? Well, no, I just came and let other people talk. Okay. Like it's important for us when we recognize that in the context of community and for us as we launch co-groups that we will get what we want out of them. That we are responsible as adults for our own development and our willingness to step into community. So my grandpa and grandma always used to say, like, if I'd see them and say goodbye, I'm like, I'll see you again. They're like, God willing. God willing, we will be able to launch co-groups with some in-person co- space. We'll see. But so for us, we want to create space for people to actually connect, to resist the tendency to think individual and to isolate. The reminder is the commitment to apprentice under Jesus is the choice to embrace a posture of daily growth. So Jesus grew. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. And he also grew in favor. Luke 2.52 says that he grew in favor with God and with others. It's important that you understand that those things are interconnected. That the spiritual growth and the social growth are interconnected. Jesus was not passive in his spiritual development. Though, and I thought about this a lot, he could have been. Like Jesus is the son of God. He is God. He did not need to work on relationships. He did not need to work on his favor with God. He could have just went, you know what? God, give it all to me. I have all the answers and I'm good to go. But what do we see with Jesus? If you remember what I talked about earlier, Jesus was spending time with religious leaders and he was asking them questions. He was growing. He wanted to grow. He wanted to grow spiritually and he wanted to grow socially. That there was this element of growing in favor with God and with others. So frame it in your own life. If Jesus is the son of God, he is God, and yet he's still asking questions of people, who are you asking questions of? Who are you connecting with that you're actually asking deep questions or that you're wrestling with? Who are you doing that with? Our tendency is to think individual. Like even in North America, we go, it's my personal faith. The problem is if you look at the Bible, you'll have a hard time finding that anywhere. Instead, it was always meant to be communal. It was meant to be that we learn together, that we're in a community of learning together, that we are apprentices together, that it's not just you do your apprenticeship by yourself in your bedroom and then you're good, that we do it together. 
So who are you spending time with and asking and wrestling with questions? Who, who are you coming to and going, what do you see in my life or what do you notice? Who are you doing that with? We end up becoming the sum total of the people that we spend the most time with. The sum total of the relationships that we spend the most time with, that looks like us. So from a discipleship or apprenticeship perspective, we become the sum total of the people that we most allow to shape us, that we're most around. We are constantly being shaped and formed by things all around us. And so the question is, who's forming you? Who's shaping you? Who are you turning into? The question also is, do you have anyone that is older and wiser that is speaking into your life? Do you have anyone that is a little further ahead? See, I don't, I, again, I don't believe that just by being older, you're automatically wiser, though there are some people that are older and beautifully so wise and humble. But do you spend any time asking questions from anyone that is just further ahead of you spiritually? Like someone that has been following Jesus or you see some things in their life where you go, I want that. What you have, I want that. When's the last time that you just peppered them with questions? Help me to understand. How did you get to this? What did you learn in the process? Like to actually be inquisitive with other people, to, to want to learn, to take an active role in our spiritual development. And there's a beautiful thing about a question. Sometimes we struggle as Christians. If we've been a Christian for a long time, we struggle because we love to tell people something even when we've never been asked. I've had this where someone decides to, like, they decide to, okay, I'll, for those of you that aren't parents, I'm sorry, but just, I've had people give parenting advice that I don't know. Uh, you probably shouldn't do that with your kids. Thank you. My name's Tyler. What's yours? <laughs> right? As Christians, we sometimes do that, uh, let me tell you what you should or should not do. And they're like, uh, I don't remember asking you. But when you ask someone a question, what is it? It's an invitation. It's an invitation. I want to know what you have to say. I'm actually asking you, what, what do you see? What do you notice? By responding to an invitation is significantly different than just volunteering something to someone. And so who are we inviting in? Who are we asking questions of? Even just the, the framework of asking questions is an invitation to grow. Even if we just adopt the posture of asking questions, we're saying, I just, I want to grow. And this is in direct opposition to the cultural value of individualism that says, I'm just going to figure it on my own. And instead, we are better because we are in a communal environment of learning. We have to learn from and with each other. So Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. There's something that I noticed, and if you are working through the journal that you'll hopefully see, but if you look at that, so we have this, and there's so much in it, but what we notice in Luke 2 is Jesus grew, but there's no step-by-step. -step. There's no manual. There's no, uh, this is the thing, these are the things that you need to do. If you want to grow like Jesus, you just need to do these things. We can infer some things, we can learn some things, but it's not reduced to a checklist. And I think that some of that is because God maybe, just maybe understands humanity. And our tendency is to simplify and, and just go, if I just do these five things and then I do them, then I can be angry when they don't work. And rather than the heart behind it, we just go, I'm just going to do the things, and then I did it, and then that's it. 
I mean, think about even just our culture in general. If you want to know anything, you just hop on YouTube and you can watch a series of videos. And then you go, now I'm good. And so sometimes we struggle because part of the nature of being an apprentice is wrestling. It's actually working through some of those things and going, what does this look like? And it's a longer process than sometimes we'd like. We want to grow, but we want it to happen quickly, right? Like we want microwave faith. I, I did a 12-hour brisket earlier, brisket, smoked uh, or pulled pork, a 12-hour pulled pork earlier this week. Okay, that's a pork product. And if you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry. But that's a pork product, right? You can also get microwave bacon. Okay, microwave bacon. You can cook both of them, both pork products. The microwave bacon kind of tastes like bacon, but it's like thin and chemical. Like it's just, I'm like, I just am, I don't, the ready in 30 second bacon, like that stuff makes me nervous. They are not comparable. That pulled pork is amazing and rich because it took time to develop. And so in our spiritual lives, if we want quick, we'll end up with the microwave bacon where we look at our lives and go, it just doesn't really have much substance. And I'm navigating all the challenges and I, I just want quick and I'm finding that every time I hit an obstacle that I, that I feel discouraged because we have this faith that isn't built on anything that is long-lasting. This is why apprenticeship, that language is helpful because it's a daily posture of choosing growth and commitment, surrender to Jesus. Every single day for the rest of our lives, allowing God who does not work he doesn't work in our timeline to shape us over time. Apprenticeship to Jesus is not an eight-week course. It's not a series of videos that we can watch. It's not a book that we read once and then we're good. It is for life. And the commitment to apprentice to Jesus, under Jesus, is the choice to embrace a posture of daily growth. There's a book called Leadership Pain by someone named Sam Chan, and he has this quote, and I think it's helpful for us. It says, growth equals change. Change equals loss. Loss equals pain. So inevitably, growth equals pain. We all choose pain in our life. Some of us, we choose the pain of not growing, and some of us, we choose the, the pain of growth, recognizing that it is painful to grow. Like even if you were to work out, you're sore as your muscles are broken down. It's painful. It's painful for us to grow. And if we labor under the illusion that we can grow without pain, I think it's what causes us to give up early. Because we're like, I'm trying to grow and I feel the pain. You go, yeah, that's the nature of it. I think sometimes it's why we bail on New Year's resolutions. I won't ask you to put your hands up, but some of us, we had New Year's resolutions on January 1, and we're at January 9th, and we're like, well, I gave up. I'm not doing that. Because we go, you know what? It was hard. Some of us, the pain is we go, I'm trying to do too much because I'm an overachiever, so I'm going to do everything. And then we realize, yeah, that's like not sustainable. Like, I can't actually do that. Some of us, the pain is going, I've done it this way my entire life, and I'm now trying to do something different, and it's painful, and it's hard, and I find myself getting pulled into the easier way of how I've always done it. Yeah, welcome to growth. 
Growth is saying, I've always done it like this. I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to resist the urge to fall back into old patterns in my life. Dallas Willard says this, your system is perfectly designed to yield the result you are getting. And he's talking about spiritual formation. Your system is perfectly designed to yield the result you are getting. I want you to think honestly about your life as a system. If your life is getting the exact results you're getting and you're recognizing there's some things in that that I don't actually like, it requires us to actually embrace some pain and grow. It requires us to go, I'm going to face obstacles and I'm going to have to chop them down. I'm not going to be surprised when I feel pain. I'm going to recognize that's an indicator that I'm growing. It's an indicator that I'm moving forward. For all of us, we're invited to constantly think about our life as a system and think about who am I becoming? Am I becoming more like Jesus or am I becoming more like someone else? Who am I becoming as a human being? And in light of where we might want to go, rather than doing some massive, I'm going to reorient everything, what would it look like to begin to take some small steps? What are some small things that you could do that would make a significant difference? Small things compounded over time make a massive difference difference. And I don't want to just say, hey, you need to grow, so figure it all out and go and do it and do all of it. What I am suggesting is to begin to wrestle with, God, what's one area that I need to grow in? And then I want you to do something that for many of you, some of you will be like, this is great. Some of you will be like, is I want you to find someone outside of you that's maybe a little bit more spiritually mature or has some things that you don't, and ask them what they think. Like, go I recognize that maybe I need to grow in this area. If you were me, what would you do? Like, if, if, what have you learned in that? What are some things that you found has shaped you and helped you? What are some small things I could start doing today? Actually ask someone. Invite someone in to help because they will guaranteed see things faster than you do. And there are some valuable things about outside perspective because they'll ask you some clarifying questions and get to the heart of it really quickly. And you go, Oh, I hadn't really thought about that. It's a beautiful thing. Ask some people. And I'm not saying just find someone because they're older and go, I'm going to ask you. Like, find someone that you respect. Find someone that you know cares about you. Like, that's an important part for Lee and I in our life. We have people that are called overseers. They're people that we're accountable to. And there's three different couples. And we spend time with them. And we ask them questions and they speak into our lives and they challenge and confront us on certain things. We actually invite them because we know they care and they want our best. And so we invite them in and we ask them difficult things and they ask us difficult things. I have people around me that, that are pastors outside of collective that I can actually ask hard things and navigate. Do you have people like that in your life? We can't grow on our own. It does not work. When it comes to apprenticeship to Jesus, we grow together. And so we spend time with other people and we invite them to speak in. So the action step for you is, who's someone that you can ask? What's an area of growth? And how do you invite them to speak into that? Maybe right now you're going, "Uh, I know exactly who that is. So my encouragement is don't don't let the day pass without reaching out to them. Maybe you go, I don't know who that is. Ask God. God will, God will direct you to someone. God, will, God is at work. If he 
if we ask him for wisdom and he gives it, he will direct us to someone that can offer something. But my encouragement as we start January, or we start 2022, and as we adopt a posture of growth, that we don't just do it by ourselves. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about church, and it was saying um, that if this was a pastor talking, he said, if my church, it's, it's comfortable not to grow, then I'm doing something wrong. And so uh, the, if that's a struggle, I get it. But just if you are wondering about collective, it, it's uncomfortable here to, grow, to not grow. And increasingly, that's going to be more so because I want us to be people that are becoming more like Jesus and growing and fighting through the obstacles together. Like the beautiful thing is as you're growing and you face obstacles, you don't just get your axe out and do it by yourself. You have a team of people that go, oh, no, let's go. Let's take this stuff down together. We're in it together. What does your support system actually look like? If you're in here and you know it has been a long time since you've grown and you recognize that there are some barriers to growth and you are holding back or you've been trying to do it on your own, take a step, reach out to someone, let them know where you notice, where they notice that you need to grow And then actually try what they say. Let's be people that become apprentices of Jesus by daily surrendering our our life to him and choosing daily growth. Let's grow as Jesus grew. Let's follow his example. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful that you invite us to grow. And I'm grateful that you're with us on the hilltops and the mountains and in the valleys in the areas where growth is easy and the areas where growth is hard. God, help us to become uncomfortable with staying where we are when you're inviting us forward. God, for those of us in the room that have been wounded by something, whether it's huge or in our minds, we're like, it's not that big of a deal. If you are drawing attention to it, I pray that you would give that person courage to go to the prayer team. That you'd give them courage to just voice what they're wrestling with. Give them courage to actually navigate the challenges that they found repeating this pattern in their relationships or how they respond to others. God, for each of us, I believe wholeheartedly that you want to speak to us and that you are speaking to us. Help us to take what you're saying and do what you're asking us to do. God, we love you. We need you. Change us. Help us to become apprentices to your son, Jesus. Pray all these things in your holy, precious, and powerful name. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.